0: We bow our heads and pray. Gracious God and Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, Jinhee, I trust you're okay. Good, all right, good Good. good to see you. So, uh, Question. What is the official river of the state of Indiana? It's, it's, it's the Wabash. It's not the White River, right? It, it's got to be the Wabash. You know, we have a state flower, a state bird. I don't know if we have a state cookie or anything like that, but, but we, we do have a state river, the Wabash, And uh, it's always been kind of special to me. Uh, I grew up in Lafayette, uh, near the Wabash River. And and, uh, as a boy, I can recall hiking along the river. Whenever I'd be driving over it, I always would look at the river to see what the water level was. And and I remember skipping stones uh, across it or trying to skip stones across it. it. It's wide enough where I live that you really couldn't do that, but you could try. And I can recall climbing above the river on sandstone cliffs at a place called Black Rock when I was in college. It was a dumb thing to do, but I, I did that. And I always kind of viewed it as sort of my river, you know. And rather pretentiously, I would think of it that way. And I, because it was my river. I wanted to know where's the source of that river where does it I want to see the beginning of it we were on a trip one time we went down to Hovey Lake and that area it's like a cypress swamp I wanted to see the cypress swamp and um, it's down in Posey County Um, or maybe Vandenberg I don't remember but I wanted to get to the mouth of the Wabash and my family in the car, they were getting tired. We were driving around these country roads trying to find what intersects the Ohio River, and they finally, I I just had to give up because I was getting uh, rebellion, you know, from the the family. But I thought, okay, so I'm gonna find the source. And I was in Fort Wayne for a meeting, uh, and I thought, okay, after this meeting, I'm gonna drive to Fort Recovery, Ohio. That's in far western Ohio. And I'm, I'm going to find the source. And so I did. And there's this little park, and there's a, a big sign telling you about the Wabash River. There's a picnic table there. And uh, it's like a drainage ditch. And um, the drainage ditch led into a wooded area on a turkey farm. And you have to cross a cornfield and get into the wooded area, and there's a culvert. There, the, tile, the drainage tiles uh, uh, lead into, and this culvert is like the mouth of, or the the source of the Wabash. <clears throat> but I have to trespass on the property, and I thought, oh, I, there's nobody here to ask permission, and I thought, I just, I better not. So I, I just was satisfied with the drainage ditch, and could see that, and I straddled it, you know, I stood over it, and I could straddle the, the river and, and that sort of thing. So it was, it was exciting for me, actually. And uh, it's weird, I know, but. Um. Now, I'm telling you that story because I want you to imagine the last 2,000 years of church history, the last 2,000 years of mission work in the church. I want you to visualize the last 2,000 years of missionary work in the church as a river. And if that's the case, what's the source of that river? Where do you go to find the the headwaters of all mission work? Well, I direct your attention to our Gospel reading for today. Verse 35 of Matthew 9, page 10 in your bulletin. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Compassion for them. And so Roman numeral number one on page 11 of your bulletin, Christ compassion is the source of all mission. So why is there any mission at all? It's because Christ's heart goes out to hurting people. Now, Judaism, on the other hand, never encouraged missions. Never did. It still doesn't encourage missions. But Jesus saw himself in mission to Israel, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew 10, verse 6, in our reading for today, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus cares for the hurts of his countrymen. Now, this is Matthew 10. Later, Matthew 28, he commissions his disciples to go into all nations, all Gentiles. But the mission has to begin somewhere. And it begins in the heart of our Lord, and it goes out to Israel, and from Israel to the Samaritans, and from the Samaritans to all the Gentiles. Letter A. The word Latin, or the, the Latin word for compassion, compassio, mean, means with, com means with, passio means suffer. So when you have compassion, you suffer with someone. You identify with their hurt, and the Greek noun for this, splankna, splankna, means your bowels, your your uh, viscera, intestines, and liver, and guts, and all this stuff. And splankna is is kind of like the sound you make if you if you were to take guts and throw them down on a table. It will splat, right? Splankna is the Greek noun, splagnizo then is the Greek verb, to feel something in the gut. When you see something horrifying, something disturbing, it tugs at your inside, see? That's splagnizo in the Greek, it's a gut tugging. And this is true in the Old Testament as well, where uh, in Isaiah 63, Isaiah writes this about God, in all of their distresses, meaning the distresses of God's people, he too was distressed. He too was distressed. His guts tug at the hardships, the suffering of his people. And so, letter B, Jesus looks beyond our deeds and sees our needs. That's verse 36B He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, the word here in the Greek for harassed means to flay. It means to beat someone or to whip someone so severely that their skin falls off. And the word here for helpless means to cast down. It's it's body slamming somebody. You lift them up and you cast them down to the ground so that they are helpless. That's the idea here. They're flayed and they're cast down like sheep without a shepherd. So, number one, question, what creates compassion? To see others as sinners who should know better, uh, that's true, by the way, it's true, or to see them as sheep who have been flayed and cast down to the ground. Obviously, it's the latter. To see the hurts of others is what creates compassion, to to recognize that. Now, C.S. Lewis once wrote that he estimated that 80% of all human suffering is self-inflicted. Our our dumb decisions, our bad choices, boomerang on us. Much of the hurt that we experience is the result of our own sinfulness, our own covetousness, our own desires. Much of the hurt that we experience is the result of our own reluctance to forgive, to reconcile when we know we should. It's self-inflicted. And this is true for all people, by the way. And even though that's true, to focus on that is to stifle compassion. It is to stifle mission. We must see others as flayed and cast down regardless of the cause, even if it's been their fault. Look past the deed See the need. That's Jesus. That's the way he views us. We made dumb decisions too. We suffer because of our own bad choices. They boomerang on us. But Jesus looks past that and he sees the hurt that is in all of us. Number two people need nothing so much as a really good shepherd. A really good shepherd. And I would capitalize the S in shepherd. People need nothing so much as a shepherd who forgives. A shepherd who looks beyond deeds all the way to the underlying need. Numeral 2. The mission that arises in the heart of our Lord, the mission is not ours, but it is God's. Notice, it is God's harvest. Therefore, verse 38, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out, we'll come back to that word, send out, laborers into his harvest. It is the Lord's harvest. He takes ownership of it. It's the Lord's harvest because letter A, the task is beyond our ability. It's beyond human ability. The harvest is great. The laborers are few. It's beyond our ability. Letter B, Jesus doesn't ask us to recruit others, but to pray. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. It's not our job to recruit. It's our job to pray. This is the Lord's harvest. And that brings us to letter C. The the, the need is not for experts, but for laborers. You know, the Lord's not looking for scholars. He's not looking for elite athletes. He's looking for laborers, ordinary people. Peter and Andrew, James and John, what was their profession? They caught fish. <laughs> A lot of people caught fish. Ordinary people caught fish. Letter C, number one, we're not to find workers because they already exist. They already exist. In every church, Every local congregation, every pew, every household. You've already been recruited. You've been baptized. You've been taught, or you're being taught. Well, I hope that you are being taught, regardless of your age. (laughs) Teaching is something that goes on for the rest of your life, right? The baptism is once, the teaching goes on and on and on. And number two, pray that the Lord will... And you know, to to send out, that's such a nice way to put it, and it's too nice. It's really too nice. Uh, The word here in the Greek is a violent word. It's a word for thrust out, to cast out, throw out into the harvest. The need's that great, it's that urgent. Pray the Lord to thrust people out into the harvest. Just like flayed or or cast down are violent words. Thrust out is a violent word. It's the same word used in the very next verse. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 1. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to what? To cast them out. Same word. Jesus cast out demons. It's the same word used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, in the Book of Jonah. Uh, Jonah's in the boat with all these Gentiles. He's running from the Lord, and there's this big storm, and the Gentiles figure, you know what? God must be angry with one of us in the boat. I wonder who it could be. And Jonah finally owns up to it, and he says, you better cast me into the ocean, and they don't want to do that. It's a cruel thing to do, to thrust them out into the sea. But the storm won't let up, and finally the people do it. They throw him out. They thrust him out. It's the same Greek word here that's being used. It's the same word used of Jesus. Uh, In Mark chapter 1, when after his baptism, we read that the Spirit cast him through him into the desert, into the arena of temptation. Just thrust him out there into that. This is, yeah. You know, no one volunteers for this work. I, I, you know, if, if, if anyone in the New Testament came up to Jesus and said, you know, I'll follow you wherever you go, Lord. I'll, I'll do it. I'll be there. And, and there, there were people that did that. And then he would lay down the law. He would tell them. You don't know what you're getting into. See, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay. No, people are called to this work. You know, I, I, I used to work for the city of Lafayette. And I had a nice job. And and one day the boss called me in to his office. He said, John, you're through. And it was like a, a lightning out of a clear blue sky. And I said, Why? And and he wouldn't give you a reason. But he said, You're done. And I said to him, I said, well, I guess I better go talk to the mayor and tell him I'm leaving. He said, fine. I went and talked to the mayor, and the mayor said, you're not leaving. I said, well, but I've just been fired. He said, no, I'll talk to him. He said, all I ask is people get along for eight hours a day. I'm willing. So he saved my job. I went back to work. But you know when your boss doesn't want you around, I... You kind of know it. And I figured, eventually I've got to find something else. And I've been thinking about seminary for years. I thought, you know, maybe, maybe this is a good time. So folks, I'm not here because I have such compassion for you. I'm here because Jesus has compassion for you. I'm not here because I just love you so much. Now, I've learned to love you. But but I'm here because Christ loves you. We're called to the work, you see. The growth happens later. Harriet was talking to just so you don't get worried here. Um, Harriet was talking to me. One, we were on a bike ride in Ohio, and, and she said, you know, honey, she said, when you retire from, from this work, we need ag extension agents, you know, Purdue Extension needs that. You, you ought to consider that. And i said, I, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. See that, you know, the growth comes later. So number three, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. I threw this in for encouragement. Others have labored, and you've entered into their labor, John, chapter four. You know, I was um, I was watching an interview with a navy, a former Navy SEAL. Oh, well, it's the guy that shot Osama bin Laden. And uh, they're not supposed to come out and talk about this stuff. They sign documents, but he he's been talking about it. And people interview him. People want to talk to him. What was it like to go up in that house? and, and shoot him and all that. And he explained and this to me was so believable. He said, our mission to Islamabad, Pakistan to to capture or kill bin Laden, he said that was just the very end, the tail end of a long process. There were many people involved in this. There was intelligence gathering and sifting through all of that and checking and double checking and and a lot of planning that went into this and rehearsing and so on and so forth. And he said, our mission was just the very tail end of a very long process in which a lot of people contributed and were involved. And I thought to myself, the harvest is really no different. You know, Others have labored, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have broken the ground, planted the seed, watered the seed, uh, cast sunlight down upon the earth, grown the plants. We're just at the tail end of this process, inviting people to come. And that's why you have a little card here in your bulletin, you should, okay? And it's not so much for you, you you kinda know when we worship, right? Um, But it's for you to share with someone else to invite them. You're part of the harvest when you do that. The Lord's employing you uh, in that way. Invite them to come here on a Sunday morning and and hear the gospel. Uh, We will preach the good news to them of Christ's death and resurrection. You see, this is what we're all about. And my friends, just as God has thrust me into your path, the Lord will cast you out into someone's life, into someone else's path. Not to make life difficult for you, because I know you're comfortable where you're at, right? But it's not to make life difficult for you. It's because life has become difficult for them. It's because they're harassed, they're helpless. They are without a shepherd, you see. And and Jesus thrust you into their lives Not because you love them so much, but because Christ loves them so much. It's not because you have all this compassion for them. You may or may not, I don't know. But it's because Christ has compassion for them. He has a heart for the hurting. And because he does, not only are we to pray that the Lord would cast others out into the harvest, but we ourselves have been cast into the harvest. Because people need nothing so much as a really good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.